0: So much of what we love about the game doesn't actually happen on the field. The sounds, smells and stories from grassroots footy live on the terraces, in the club rooms and give the stadiums where we gather their pulse. Tim Ross is a man who wears many hats, a comedian, radio star and architecture buff. I'm keen to chat with Rosso to hear his take on how our senses have shaped the fabric of the game and become embedded in our memories. Tim, we're in suburban footy and I've got the esky, which I know you've got a passion for design and this is this particular design, but should we have a, should we have a Melbourne bit of can? An icy cold can of. An icy of cold Melbourne. can of. Yeah, cheers, Cheers. Mate. There's an urban myth going on a, a very well known full forward. Currently playing now. His, his yeah. party trick is now to bring a slab of EMU, is it EMU draft? EMU from, yeah. from WA, and he, he sits on it and then he drinks his seat. That's his kind of oh. party trick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's Rod Marsh esque, isn't yes. it? Yeah, it is. That's like that great story about the video night story. You must know that one. <laughs> Everyone knows. You know, when Sheets, like they, they get smashed or something, and Sheets is angry, he's so You're coming around to my house and we're going to watch the game, and we're going to work out what's going wrong. And, and so they turn, around, I turn up at Sheed's place the Monday night or something, and Van Haar's got a six-pack of beers. And he goes, what's that for? He goes, oh, it's a video night, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the glory days the glory Oh, mate. Days. I miss them.
0: You're, you're a multi-talented man with many, many interests, but one of your interests is in architecture. Why, why are we here? I don't, you've, never, you've never been to Narrow Warren. This no. But
1: I, but I saw this on the Instagrams and I thought it was really interesting in terms of this is a, a, you know, a new club rooms for the footy club here and the sports clubs here. And uh, through involvement of, you know, how families are interconnected with footy clubs, the architect gets on board, helps them out. And to create a space that's functional but still does all the things that a footy club does, but it's got some wonder to it, it's got yeah. some excitement to it. So if you're a kid coming in here, it's a place that's got the big footy colours on the walls, there's lots of colour everywhere... So it's sort of, and it works as a great community hub, and I think, I suppose the idea of um, architecture should always bring people together in a, in a community way. Yeah. Well, that's what footy does, isn't it? It brings us all together. And you think it's how sometimes we learn to relate to people we don't know. Mm-hmm. So those conversations, you know, as a young person, and you go to the footy for the first time, and you're all there and you're s- sitting next to strangers and on other for other clubs, and the conversation starts. And then you find yourself talking to someone and having a great day with that person and then you leave and then you may not ever see them again. Yeah. But they're really important skills because that's what makes us decent human beings. And for all the talk about, you know, some awful things that get yelled out at the footy, there's so many temporary friendships going on. Yeah. And that's really beautiful, I think. And Mm. there's something really great about that and it's the the uniting power of football or sport,
0: full sport. The John Schultz, the great bulldog legend, he talks about whatever station in life you're at, that football is a is a leveller for that.
1: There's so much about it that connects us with who we are and as a suburban people. And so you know, drive up in a car and you, you look around, and then there's the, the local businesses around the ground, and then you come in here, and it's a different feel to the the club rooms of our Mount Eliza Football Club, where we used to hang out with when we were kids. But they, it, it's, you learn a lot about people. Mm. And those men, you know, we'd go down on a Saturday afternoon, sort of to watch the footy and sort of just to buy some mollies from the touch shop. <laughs> the kiosk. <chaos. At> the <laughs> kiosk. And we'd sort of walk down the hill and my brothers would kick the footy all the way down there. And just watching these men, mostly not particularly fit men, and those are the days <laughs> where people <laughs> smoking cigarettes. And, um, having beers at half-time type time vibe and and the way, that the physicality that you couldn't get from the TV, I suppose, yep. and you'd be, as a kid, you're standing there. Right there. You're right there and it's, <laughs> oh, and it's like hidden crunch and, you know, some 40-year-old guy with a beard and hair everywhere. There was one particular guy, he was the brother of uh, a friend of mine's from school and I don't know how I managed to see it, he must have been putting his jumper on or something or took his jumper off at the end of the game. He was a bit chubby. And it's burnt into my memory that he had band-aids put over his nipples to stop, <laughs> the, ch- to stop the chafing of the woolen jumper. And like, oh you know, like I'm 12 or something and I go, it's just, it's just the strangest insights into someone's life. Yeah, it's seemed he's, too much. He's just battling with the chafe. Um, <laughs>
0: You often talk about how a building can make you feel. Mm. When we're here having a look around, how do do footy club rooms,
1: this one included, but how how do they make you feel? For me, uh, the suburban club room is is the introduction to football. The kid going into the adult's domain and so where the bar was and people smoking inside and watching the races and swearing in front of kids and no one really caring that you were there or wondering who you were or whatever it was. It's not an environment that's set up for children. You know, you're just there, part <laughs> of some strange... Yeah, the kids have to yeah. kind of find their space. And here. then people swearing and yelling things and yeah. mum's beeping the horns and their Salikas drinking Chardonnay. <laughs> and <laughs> everything's going on and then just guys walking around nude. And you know, like, it's just, that's what I think about. you, And cos you just walk everywhere, you know, it's not a... Of, that's a strange thing that young kids, boys, just walk around and go, oh, it's, oh we're just yeah, going to walk man, in the club yeah. rooms now. There's dudes there and smoking cigarettes and balls hanging out. And it all revolves around defeat. <laughs> 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 because that's the reality most of the time. There's yeah. a little bit of glory. Yeah. And certainly, you know, oh, that's never any good. And, uh, you know, we used to... You know, you're playing school footy and bang, you get on the bus to go somewhere to play a bunch of boys who much better, much stronger, more pubes. <laughs> <laughs> and you get defeated and then you get on the bus and you come home and I don't want to break it to anyone, but there wasn't too many bottles of Mount Franklin going around in those days. There's no water. Are you... Water for weakness. Water's weakness. <laughs> I can't remember where we drank it from when we were yeah. playing footy. Um, I'm sure there was some sort of communal trough or something. But there certainly wasn't. Mum didn't pack me a you know, a bag no, for the way right. home. So yeah, you're cold, dehydrated, defeated, sore. But we give over so much of ourselves yeah. to these things. And in a time where we um, we mourn community in some ways, yeah. we're so inward looking. We're on our phones all the time. Yeah. A football club or a sporting club or any sort of club represents something really old-fashioned and uniting yeah. in terms of the, the tribalism.
0: What about stadiums? So we're, we're at local footy now. So I
1: think, How do they make you feel? I think, you know, if we think, think about them in, in terms of spaces and we always think about them in terms of engineering because they, be, they tend to be feats of engineering, not architecture. Yep. And they're almost... Um, they're invisible to us. They're so practical. Yep. You know, they're made to... Service thousands. Yeah, bang, get people in and out. But they they are so unique in terms of these cauldrons where everyone can be, everyone can escape and yeah. be somewhere. So they're inherently really as a piece of architecture, they're really successful because you don't notice them. But this is that's that's interesting, isn't it? Because I part of the
0: the conversation around Waverly was that it was that cold shithole from, that's miles away and, but that was the grand world I went to as mm. a kid. And mm. so I, my memories of Waverley Park, yeah, it was always cold and wet and miserable. And the team, my team never won, but it was, yeah. but then it's about the jam donuts. So my yeah. brain goes to, I'm with dad and we've got the jam donuts. And then one of our, our Commodore is out there amongst the other <laughs> 15,000
1: Commodores. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's right. Ours yeah, yeah, is the Maroon one. Oh, there's seven of them. <laughs> Shit. If you create a new ground and it doesn't have some of the wobblier elements of the old ones, it's, it's, they're still replaced and the memories are still made there. Yeah. Um, you often have a conversation with women and you say, like, when I, yeah, as a kid, the one of the strangest things would go to the cricket and you could go to the urinal and there'd be a man doing a wee next to you and you would feel the spray of his wee on your legs. And, and it's not right, but it's it remains um, good, bad, or whatever that experience is. Is that it's the moment where you you can feel at one with something. You feel like you feel like you're part of something, and I think people struggle constantly finding you, your people. Yeah, finding your people, and whether you're watching the game or not, you're still part of it. You can hear the roar and. Yep. Um, there is something magical about that, the way that sound reverberates down through those corridors. Yeah. And something's going on. <laughs> you know, when you are running the in, yeah, the roar. Yeah. And to get up there to see what's going on. And nothing will ever take those sorts of feelings yeah. away.
0: Secondary urine aside, mm. Mm. you're a renaissance man and keen observer of things changing over time. What are your sort of impressions of the evolution of of the game, what have you observed? I think
1: taking football out of the suburbs, they misjudged it. Some of that feel, I think that's what. Obviously, you know, it's well documented that that's why the women's game's been so um, successful. So right? successful, um, and there's something about going back in time for the the, the way that people feel about it what makes melbourne so interesting is that you can love football and love the arts Yeah. and that's the strength of the city the beauty of it is is that you can be in melbourne and you can go to the ngv in the morning and then you can go to the footy in the afternoon and they just seem that you can they seamlessly go together in terms of interests yeah so there's no cultural divide yeah AFL doesn't exist in a way that it pushes other things to the side. Yeah. And that's what makes it important. So it doesn't overpower it and it doesn't dumb things down. And so, uh, yeah, you've got these people, yeah, who will go to the theatre, go and go, to, go to the ballet, yep. go to football. Yeah. And there's something really wonderful about that. Mm. That, you know, on here on a weekend, it's bumper to bumper and yep. there's cars all around it and everyone's here and then they'll have, hopefully, they, do they have a disco here? Do we know that? Oh, they would. No, it's made yeah. for a disco. It reeks of disco. Yeah.
0: In here. To draw another link between design, architecture and, and football, if you, if you could heritage list certain things in the game, are there... Are there are there things, tangible things in the game that you think, oh, that we really need to protect that because that, that's what keeps it unique? Football
1: player fashion and haircuts, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because whether it's individualism or it's you know, someone just rebelling in some way or just saying, I don't want to... There's because so much right. that I have to conform to here. Yeah. You know Don Scott turns up with a man bag, and the game's change forever, and same with you know those those great mullets and and the characters, and I yeah. think that I think people mourn that yeah. part. And, you know, I don't know whether whether I think you, you know you've spoken about it a lot some we don't see mm. a, they're there, but sometimes we yeah. don't see them. Why is that
0: um, yeah, you know, I kind of think that the characters are. Maybe not as keen to share it publicly as mm. they once were, that the characters are in the locker room. They're inside. The, 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 the football eccentric is still alive. Mm. And there's still the lad. There's still Paul Vanderhaar. Yeah. Six beers for the video night mm. is a great story because he becomes a lovable rogue because he could play... He, but he played. If, you, mm. if you're the player now who has six beers on the Monday night and doesn't get a kick, you're just an asshole. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, that's where it becomes harder, I think. They should be far more, you know. They should be price sensitive about things. I think that's really important. And you know, you go to buy yourself a bloody kit of footy jumper. They're not cheap, are they? They need to have some, have some Need to have some fake ones from China, do they? Where you can
0: get. <laughs> well, I think Jimmy's had. I think they had a great little racket going there for yes. a while. So there's some non-official ones yeah, going on. Yeah, just like just slightly <laughs> off. It's like is that, is that the blue? It doesn't quite. <laughs> Did the cats wear purple? Yeah. It
1: didn't quite seem to me when you talk about things that should be heritage-listed and we don't think about, but that familiar... uh, ..of of football on the radio, on all radios. You walk past a a house and you can hear it. And it's different to... ..it's different to seeing it on TV in a pub or walking past. It, um, It has a certain tonal quality to it that... ..yeah, there's something really quite magical about it. We'll get together and we'll be at my mum's place and mum will make dinner. And certain members of my family will just get up and go and watch the football. <laughs> and it's not their side playing. They'll just go and watch. And yep. that's acceptable. Yeah. And, and, like, no-one so you can't have your elbows on the table, but you, you can get
0: you up can and get, walk Just or... literally
1: get up and go, oh, what are, like, they wouldn't even finish or half finishing. Oh, what, are you going to go and sit on the couch? And so that this idea that there is no... Not even a wedding... Is a place where there is a no football zone. Um, yeah. Is both amazing, but really sort of bizarre. Yeah. And my mother famously said, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do one day, I'm going to I'm going to go around for their place for dinner one night because my mother doesn't follow football so much. She goes, oh, no. And and then I'm just going to get up and go, Oh, I'm going to go and watch the Bill now. That'll show. <laughs> Ron Paul of the Bailey. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I'm go. Imagine if I just said, Oh, well, I'm just going to put the Bill on now. There you go. Really, truly, if there was something you'd really. It's that universal passion that just, you just, you see it with, you know, you'll see it in the UK and all over the world with people with soccer, but it's just different for AFL and because it's ours.
0: Particularly your writing is splintered with moments of deep sentimentality does can sport do that to you, or f- can footy do that to you?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, its ability to timestamp things, and um, whether family, friendship, places, train stations, um, even down to things you, things I wear to the football, um, or you wanted. You know, I would have. Given anything to get a duffel coat, but it was just, mm. you know, the duffel coat fair was never going to come to our joint. It was yeah. just not how we rolled. Um, the, and the sharing of those experiences, the good and the bad.
0: Do you think we're addicted to pain as footy supporters? Yeah, because you, there's always a high around the corner somewhere. Yeah, there's, there's, the, there's an inherent optimism behind. Yeah. There's always next week. That's yeah. one of the great footy lines. There's
1: always, There's next, always next week. Because, but it and is
0: tinged with that because it's shit house right now. But
1: the, the, the pain gives us the conversation, though. Yeah. Because if everyone did really, you know... It's losing yeah, losing like might who, be more who, interesting. Yeah, who should be in and who shouldn't be in. Who yeah. should be playing. Why are not playing well enough? Um, that yeah. drives the constant conversation of, of sadness. I listened to
0: one of your... Um, talks and you were talking about our nation as an identity, the sporting identity linked with the government of the time. Where does it where does it sit now, and where has it where has it
1: come from? Do you think our sporting identity? So we've put too much emphasis on it from a, a, an international point of view. I think in terms of who we are, and, and so um, what we have pushed to the side is, is deeply important to us in terms of our ability to innovate. As being an inventive and interesting people. So, like, we're very creative. We can solve problems. And when you sell that down, sell that away, we're doing ourselves a disservice. We are refusing to admit that that's part of our past as well. In simplest terms, if we stop being a nation of people who want to knock up a deck, we die. It all falls over. Because we're pretty good at it. It solves a problem and it gives us a place of things to do. But if we start outsourcing that forever or don't think we're capable of that, but that's what happens when it comes to our industry, or what you know, if we go, oh, we can't make decks anymore. Why? Oh, because someone else can make them better. They may be able to make them better, but that's not true. Um, It's the process of being able to do it and believing that we can, which is important. And so going back to this idea of the suburban football ground, when we were kids, you know, 60%, 40%, whatever it was, the cars around the ground are designed and made here. So we agree that we can't do that anymore. But what do we replace it with? What are all those people that learnt to do that? We actually just turned around and said, actually, we can't do that. And so that affected us. And I think the things that we made in this country or designed in this country um, across the board were a big part of who we we were and we've turned our back on that. I think there's a sadness to that. And it's been too easy to, to say, oh, well, you know, we show the world that we're really great at swimming and that's enough. And it's not, because if, there are things that we do that are better than swimming. And it's the idea that innovation is a dirty word somehow, that we, that we can't be... ..that we've, turned, we've gone from a country who've, who've, who used to fix things to a country of people who consume things, which I think is really sad.
0: If there's one common thread around around this show, it is that everyone we talk to has, there's an element of performance of what they do. And I know you've done lots of different things, but Martin Flanagan once said to me that when you're on stage with someone, you do do learn something about that person and and vice versa. And you've famously been part of a duo with Merrick, but then more recently with, with our mutual friend, Kit Warhurst. How's that dynamic of being solo, to them
1: being in a team or a duo? Oh, I mean, the, the, the great thing about a duo is you've got room to, to play. Because there's always, there's a safety net. You can pass off. Yeah. Um, and you have something to, it, you, you share the experience with someone. I think that's the, the delightful thing about, if you were in a band or, a, you, you, like I do with Kit now, As yeah. we go somewhere, like we go to London and then you know, we'll fly over together and have a great time and, judge, oh, and then you know dinner afterwards, and the conversation. There's the camaraderie. camaraderie. And one of the things that I, when I started performing, I started playing in a band with my, the guys in my house. They were all really good musicians. But that, for me, that camaraderie of being in that band is the best thing I've ever done in terms of the friendships. It was better than any of the sporting groups or anything yeah. I've been through. Or, um, Tell me about Black Rose. Describe <laughs> it for me. Well, we weren't very good, but we had a good time. <laughs> So we're like an Ausrock Rock version of Spinal Tap. Yep. Tight Faberge jeans, you know, wigs. Wigs. Uh, I used to get around in a very tight Collingwood jumper. Uh, I don't know whose it was, but you know, it was it was pretty exposed. Um, and we had a couple of you know reasonable years and just a bit of public radio airplay and yep. a couple of some songs out. I drive a Holden. My one's a brown one. That was a big one. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was just sort of bogan rock and it was yeah. a lot of fun and that's how I started doing stand-up because I'd tell jokes and stories on stage yeah. as a character or so.
0: We share a love of the, the football song up there, Kazali. Yeah. Did, did Black Rose
1: do a version? Lordo, our harp player and tambourine player used to sing it and I think we started doing it with a sense of irony. But we quickly re- quickly realised the power of that song. Mm. And I think, and that's in the early 90s, and it had a little bit of a dip in its popularity. And, but people would just like, and same so then we'd be at the SB the front bar there, and we'd f- be finishing up, and you'd just watch, you know, people would just, they're playing up there cos And yeah, it's a song from an ad. Yeah. I suppose the testament to it is that we were trying to do it as a piss take. Yeah. And you couldn't. And because, couldn't. You couldn't. And because it was Lord, too powerful. And for Lord that. I had this beautiful voice, and, and suddenly you just go, nah, he, he would just be on another plane. Yeah. Because it, it's very much like you, you talk about, which is that, you know, reaching into the TV and, yeah. and, and being on that, on that ground is that for David to sing a song that was part of his youth yeah. in a public arena even if he's got a wig on and he's got a tambourine in his hand, and people are losing their minds and singing along, and there's 500 people there. It's, it's a magical moment. Mm. Um, and it's, it's the power of something to unite us
0: yeah.
1: in something really simple. And most importantly, it's ours. Yeah. And I often talk about things, and they don't have to be the best songs in the world. And... But what's important is that it's ours. Mm. Because in a time of globalisation, We lose track of those things, those little touchstones of who we are and where we come from and what we're part of and what this country means to us in different ways. We lose our grasp on that. It's all over. So we should heritage list up there, Kazali. It should be heritage listed. The other thing that it does tell you, and it's success at the time and the success of it today, is if you don't respect your heritage and you don't respect the history, you have nothing. Because it's the history that keeps you coming back. Yeah. And it's that, it's the sense that I did this with mum and dad. I had this experience with my grandfather. Um, you know, my pop used to take me to Harden Street or whatever it was. Incredibly important moments. Well, Tim, thanks for
0: thanks for coming to hang out and have a chat. I know I know a favourite quote of yours is to take your pleasure seriously, and I can't think of anyone who does that with such panache as you do, so.
1: Good to see you, um, thank you, Bob.
0: And I love the, the amount of ground we've covered, but I think at the heart of it was the, the Mike Brady song. You know, if he says, if there are days where we can give it up and there are days when we could fly, I think today we flew. We flew. I hope you feel the same. So we
1: flew? We, we Did we fly? fly? <laughs> There's no cry, there are days when you can give it up, days when you can cry. I think it is. Let's double check that. I, mean, I always sun cry, isn't it? it cry? It's Don't fly. It, is it fly? It's fly. That's maybe Nick Cave's version. Oh, the days you're flying, yeah, we've been seeing It's funny, when you actually go through it and you read a standard NBA contract, their Players Association, my goodness, they, they cover everything. One of the clauses actually guarantees you against lack of skill. It actually says that. You're going to get your money even if you're no good. If you sign this thing, you're in. <laughs> This has been a Fox Sports production.